0: All right, welcome in, everybody. Episode 45 of score the podcast. Andrew May alongside Rob Giuffre with you. Got a lot of stuff to cover on tonight's episode, as we always do. The Super Bowl matchup is set. Chiefs versus Buccaneers. So um, with two weeks in between, we'll spend a little bit more time next week going further in depth on the Super Bowl matchup. But we will recap both the AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, obviously, some moves in Major League Baseball that should be discussed. And uh, we'll we'll talk about some hockey, too. Obviously, the Rangers off to an incredibly slow start. And uh, Rob and I have been voicing our displeasures with the team in text all week. So I'm sure Rob's eager to to get to it and rip into who he needs to rip into. But we'll start with the football, obviously, because uh, that's been the biggest thing that's on everyone's mind. So Tom Brady does it again. Tom Brady, first year with the Buccaneers, and he is in the Super Bowl. And They get a big win over the Green Bay Packers, which I think the game actually kind of went as expected. I, I actually like the Bucs to win that game outright, as did you. We both had the Bucs getting three and a half as our pick in our pick segment last week. And and the Bucs really controlled the game for the most part. They went 31-26. The only reason why the game was even that close was because of a couple of really awful interceptions from Tom Brady in the second half of that game. Uh, but the, the Packers having a little bit of trouble getting things going offensively in the first half. Uh, in the second half, they started to move the ball. But and again, we're gift wrap some some good field position on turnovers from the Bucks. And one thing that really stood out to me, and again, we've talked about this on the podcast ad nauseum for, what is it, 17 weeks in the season, three weeks in the playoff. So 20 weeks in a row now, it seems like there's always some kind of a boneheaded coaching decision that, that comes back to bite a team. Why in the world if you're Matt LaFleur trailing by eight late in the game, You have a fourth and goal with the 2020 MVP winner. He hasn't won it yet, but he will. Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. And he decides to kick a field goal and make it a five-point game. So they still need a touchdown if they're able to get the ball back. But instead, they they kick it off to, to Tampa Bay. They can't get a stop. They have all three timeouts. They have to waste all three. They never get the ball back. They end up losing by five. Had you went for the touchdown you had an opportunity for a score and a two-point conversion to tie the game. If you did not get the touchdown, then you're handing the Buccaneers the ball back without any points. I get that. But they're starting to drive at their own eight-yard line. So they, there's more capability and more options defensively to be able to pin them deep. The, the Buccaneers are not going to be as aggressive pin deep in their own territory. They don't want to turn the ball over and give it to the Packers in the red zone. You would have had an, an easier opportunity of stopping them and getting the ball back with those three timeouts had you pinned them deep in, the own, in their own zone. But you didn't. You kicked the field goal, made it a five-point game. It did not change the game at all. The only thing it did was give the ball back to Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. It didn't change the game at all. It done, uh, Just a boneheaded decision. And we'll get into the Chiefs-Bills game too, but there was a couple of really stupid calls on the part of, of Sean McDermott in that game. So I just don't get, Rob, these coaches on a week-to-week basis. I don't know if it's the analytics. I don't know if it's being scared or being reluctant or just not having a feel for the game, not realizing how many how much time is left. I don't know what it is, but every single week, I feel like we at least get into one head coach for making stupid decisions like this, stupid conservative decisions, taking three instead of going for seven or punting instead of going for it on fourth down when you need a first down. It's mind-numbing. It really is. It's mind-numbing.
1: It's absolutely moronic, and this is what happens in these big, big, big games. All these coaches who everybody gives all the accolades to in the regular season, all of a sudden don't have the ability to make the correct decisions in big playoff games. And that was LaFleur and McDermott, as you said, Andrew. And what LaFleur did, and I'll tell you the truth, I blame Aaron Rodgers just as much as, as anybody Because, first of all, he had the opportunity to run on second and third down, especially on third down. You could look at 100 different angles of that play, and Aaron Rodgers had a clear path to the end zone. Instead, he throws back against the grain to a receiver that was double teamed on the goal line. Had no right to own the ball had every right to run that ball in, and even if you don't get in, you probably get tackled at the one- or two-yard line and make it a no-brainer decision and to really go for it. So Aaron Rodgers, who has as many NFC championship wins as Rex Grossman because he is now one and four on these big games, and I told you last week, Andrew, it's a legacy game for Aaron Rodgers, and his legacy just went like Drew Brees. I don't want to hear about this shit with Aaron Rodgers. No more. No more. I don't care what his regular season stats was, how many MVPs he might have won, how great he looks throwing a ball off his back foot, how far we could throw the ball by the flick of a wrist. You cannot win the big game when you need to. Well, who's going to the Super Bowl in the AFC?
0: Patrick Mahomes, of course, now, the Chiefs. <laughs> how many championship wins does he have in
1: his three years of starting? Well, I I understand that, but you know, let's let's just look at Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to get into the Chiefs and Mahomes yet. We'll get into that in a few. Well, minutes. no,
0: but I'm but I'm saying let's... you have a you have a quarterback who has won two of these championships oh, in yeah, no. a short career already. That's of why course. it hurts Rodgers' legacy even more. Of He's course. been these these games time and time again. He can't get the job done.
1: Of course, he just can't get it done. He cannot get it done. But I want to get back to LaFleur, the field goal decision, which was, I, I tell you, Andrew, I was stunned. I, I, and I get the fact that you still need the two-point conversion. So his thinking was, I'll take it. I'll take the three. I'll knock it down to five. But you are giving the ball back to Tom Brady when, in fact, you could have had it from the eight-yard line. And not only that, but if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm the MVP and I'm the great Aaron Rodgers for all these years... For the 15 years he's in the freaking league. Don't you tell the coach, no, we're going for it. Period. And I'm staying on the field. Aaron Rodgers walked off that field. Walked off the field. It's inexcusable. I do not care. You are Aaron Rodgers. You think Tom Brady is going to accept that? Never. Ever. You think Patrick Mahomes is going to accept that? Never, ever, never. Aaron Rodgers just fell about. Ten rungs no, on, his, to, you, on his legacy ladder. When you watch a Chiefs game, there's times where
0: it'll be a fourth and eight deep in Kansas City's own territory. And Pat Mahomes is motioning to the sidelines to let the offense stay on the field. And he has to be dragged off the field. So in that situation, there is no chance in hell he would have allowed the coach to pull him off the field. to I don't kick get a field goal.
1: No way. I don't get it, Andrew. I do not get it. I don't get how you accept that I, as Aaron Rodgers, how you accept that. And when he was posed a question in the post game, his answer was, "That wasn't my decision. Bullshit. bullshit. You make it your decision. You make it your decision. Period. There is no other decision. You are going for it, because if you're going to rely on your defense to stop them and you you're, you're figuring you're figuring that you have the three timeouts plus the two minute warning. So it's basically four timeouts you're thinking you have, then you go for it. They're gonna start, even if you don't make it, they're gonna start the drive from the eight yard line. And now maybe you have two shots at the end zone instead of just the one. It doesn't, it never made sense. This is what I'm saying. These coaches who everybody gives all these high accolades to, you you be careful. Be let them, let them let's see how they coach in big spots. And LaFleur and McDermott both blew it this weekend. Not so much McDermott, but McDermott made a, a wacky, wacky call because it's too much analytics, as just said, Andrew. Way too much analytics. All of a sudden, these guys are down 17, and they're going for two instead of going for the one and putting yourself down two scores like McDermott did in that game. And that game was out of reach anyway. After it was 9 nothing, that game was over. And like I told you last week, Tyreek Hill and, and, and Travis Kelsey are uncoverable. I don't care who the cornerback is, who the linebackers are, who the safeties are. Those guys are uncoverable. And you know what? Green Bay was given a gift in that second half, as you mentioned, uh, Andrew. T- uh, Tom Brady was not good at all in that second half. No,
0: he, was, I, honestly, he wasn't. Honestly, in he wasn't good in the first half either. No, he, he had the just, he had good first okay. drive. He had some he had drops. First
1: drive. Godwin had a couple of drops. And I'll tell you the truth, they better hold on to the ball, the Buccaneers. Because, you know, Brady d- did throw some passes that were catchable balls that they did drop. But he wasn't great, Tom Brady. I-, I didn't think he was that great. But he's Tom Brady. Let's, you know, let's face it. He gets a pass. But still, in the second half, he turned the ball over three times to you. And you went three and out three times. Yeah. It's unacceptable. So I don't want to hear about Aaron Rodgers anymore. Please put it to bed. Anybody that gives an argument, that even wants to try and give an argument, and it's not even an argument, of Aaron Rodgers being a better quarterback than Tom Brady, please put that away. Well, Just look at it away too. forever. They weren't, unable,
0: they weren't able to capitalize on tampa Bay's turnovers. And for as much as we don't think Brady played well at all, what did Tampa's offense do when Aaron Rodgers turned the ball over? They went down the field and turned it into right. points. They turned it into points. The difference they took in advantage. the game. The difference in the game, you they can't you, you can't be winning turnover mat- margins and losing games, especially in the playoffs. It just doesn't happen. You can't Aaron do Rodgers that. did not
1: make plays. He did not release the ball. He took sacks. It was I, I, It was all things that and I, you know. Listen, the whole the, the situation of Bakhtieri not being there as left tackle. I understand it could make a little bit of a difference, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Aaron Rodgers looked like he, he was hesitant to throw the ball downfield. And as far as his big receiver, Devontae Adams, nine catches, yes, but 67 yards. And not only that, let's not forget about the, the terrible throw he made to Adams on on the on the, on the the goal line play where they hit that 99 out of 100 times, and the one time he didn't was in that game last week when he threw behind them. It was an easy touchdown to Devontae Adams, and they had to settle for the field goal there. So that was another bad play by Aaron Rodgers. So I understand his... His final numbers look like, uh, you know, 33 of, of, of 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah. Well, you know what? There were plays to be made that he did not play, that he did not make. And especially where he could have run the ball in that fourth quarter with with a little bit more than two minutes left on second and especially the third down. Oh, my God. I mean, Andrew, I don't know if you, how many times you've seen it. I've seen oh, it ten a different times. Lane. He had a wide open lane. He had me a and wide my father, open lane. As soon,
0: we didn't even have to see a replay. As soon as the
1: play was going on, me and my father both got on the TV, "Run! What are you doing?" Run. The, he made a panic throw too. He threw it to double coverage on the goal line. It was a panic throw across his body, across the field. I mean, come on! Enough for Aaron Rodgers. I've had it. Had it. Absolutely had it with him. No, him. Drew Brees. I told you this was a legacy game. I don't care. You could go. 16-0 next, next year, unless you win another Super Bowl and, and prove us wrong here, then you know what? Your legacy is squat. Because here's the bottom line. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, won every big game he needed to win, did not have nearly the career Aaron Rodgers did in the regular season. And if you're going to tell me Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer, and I'm telling you right now, anybody that questions Eli Manning's status as a Hall of Famer is nuts. So that, that's it. We can move on to the, we've said enough there. We can move on to the Buffalo Kansas City game, which really was not much of a game. And I'll tell you right now, Andrew, if Buffalo doesn't get themselves a running game next year, I don't know how Zach Moss is going to turn out to be uh, more of a physical type of back, but they better get themselves a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield and do a few things. They need a, you know, a James White type of, uh, of running back. And, uh, you know, just real quick, I just want to go back to that Tampa game real fast because I didn't touch on this, but Leonard Fournette was terrific. Yeah. I mean, how good was he?
0: Yeah, no, they, they've they found a running game and we talked about oh, it. Yeah. I remember on our pre-draft show, we talked about how good of a fit we thought J.K. Dobbins was because... We didn't think Ronald Jones could get the job done. Ronald Jones had a pretty good season, and they add Fournette and the two-headed monster in that backfield. They're able to run the ball, and it takes a little bit of pressure off of Tom Brady, and not like he has a ton of
1: pressure because he's got
0: plenty of weapons on offense. And Josh
1: Allen needs that because Singletary obviously is not the answer. I don't know what Moss is going to be, but if he's going to be a running back, then you better get him a third down, a complimentary type of receiving type Uh, of running back.
0: They were using T.J. Yeldon, who's
1: like a a Jalen Samuels gadget type of player. He's a bum. Yeah. He was a bum in Jacksonville. He's a bum now. You, you can't use that. They got to get themselves a a, a good pass catching running back coming out of the backfield to 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 help Josh Allen out a little bit. And they also need a, a second a second wide receiver because you can't rely on John Brown. I mean, the guy's hurt all the time. And you know, you see what happens in these big games, Andrew. Yeah, Stefan Diggs really, you know, he was almost non existent to a certain degree. They're gonna double and triple him. going you know, they're not gonna let Stefan Diggs beat you in the playoffs. It's not gonna happen. And you know, Josh Allen, you can see what happened to him. He, he really did he struggled pretty much all these playoff games. Because yeah, what no, happened? They all, take all, away all your best play. they take away your best weapon. You don't have a running game. You're going to struggle. Yeah. Here we when your offense you. is it.
0: one-dimensional, you're not winning any playoff That's it. games. Well, well I, can't right. say they, I can't say they're I can't say they not winning because they did win, too, but they squeaked by. The, the Colts game was a game where they, they should have kicked the Colts' ass. They really should have, and they didn't. And the Baltimore game was a game where they should have kicked their ass, too, because the Ravens were awful. That's one of the worst games I've seen the Ravens play all season. Now, granted, Lamar Jackson did get hurt in the second half of that game, and that took any semblance of offense away. But Buffalo had two wins gift-wrapped to them. They looked... Like the, the moment was a little bit too big. They didn't look prepared in any of the game. And it goes back to your point before about how we're putting all these coaches on a pedestal during the regular season. We get to the postseason, and the teams looked unprepared.
1: Yeah. Well, and one other thing about Josh Allen he has got to learn how to throw the ball away. He can't be taking these 15, 20 yard sacks. Oh, he took two you know, sacks he, in that he, game he, of 15 took, plus yeah, yards. He, oh. Yeah. it's No good. That's a recipe for disaster. He's got to learn to throw the ball away. He really does. I mean, listen, I understand he's a big kid, you know, he's athletic. He's trying to make a play. But at some point, you, you got to tell this kid to get just get rid of the ball and do not take a 15-yard loss for the sake of trying to make the big play. You know, just well, throw it the, away he's and risking, live for another he's, day.
0: He's risking, his own, he's risking injury, too, by doing that. There was a play well, at the end yeah. of the game. Obviously, he's trying to make a play because his team is down multiple scores with two minutes left in the game. But he took a 22-yard sack. And you know, guys are draped on him, guys are hanging on him, and he you know, he's switching hands with the ball, he's contorting his body. It's it, you're gonna get hurt doing that too. Forget about the 22 yard loss. He needed to make a play, but you gotta get yourself hurt. You gotta be smart sometimes. I tell you, I was I know that you were you were a big critic of Allen coming into the season, and he really changed a lot of minds, and you were starting to come around on him. But I saw a lot of the same of Josh Allen in the playoffs this year that I saw last year.
1: Well, why one you, game know, last you know season. why? You know why? Because they took away his big weapon. Yep. They took away Stefan Diggs, uh, Andrew. That's why he had nothing else there. I mean, look, Gabriel Davis is a rookie. Uh, John Brown was hurting. You know, I, I he certainly wasn't the same. They had no running game. Dawson Knox is a good tight end. He's okay. Cole Beasley you was know, playing okay. with a period of Cole, Listen, too. Cole Beasley played with a broken fibula from what they said after the game. After the he was playing with and he was playing with it for like four weeks. Yeah, they so said he's gonna be But listen, Cole Beasley is you know, he he he's 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 a little bit a notch below Julian Edelman. That's what he is, which is fine. But, you know, when they're taking away your big threat in Stefan Diggs and he has nowhere else to go with the ball, that's a problem, especially when you don't have a running game and you don't have a, a, a running back to come out of the backfield to catch some passes for you downfield. So... Look, that's something Buffalo's going to have to uh, work on. And either, you know, through the draft or through free agency, they're going to have to get Josh Allen some more help. I thought their defense did as good of a job as you could possibly do in these playoffs, especially against the Chiefs, who really, there's no defense that could stop the Chiefs. They're unstoppable. Like I said, I told you, Dredavius White, I was saying last week, Dravius White, you know, he's considered one of the better shutdown corners. You ain't shutting down Tyreek Hill. It's not happening because no, not only, not only, you know is is he just a great receiver but Andy Reid puts him in situations that you know he can get open you know Andy Reid's just a genius offensively so I mean look we touched on these football games as you said uh you know next week we'll go more in depth with the Super Bowl because we are you know a week and a half away from the Super Bowl right now so we'll get more in depth with that and I guess uh you know, I don't know. Who do you want to move on to right now, my friend? I mean, well, you I still... think
0: I was thinking we can move on to the baseball because last. Well, last actually, week... you know what?
1: Let's let's touch on one other thing in the football because we really didn't touch on it last week. You mentioned it in the opening, but we really didn't go into I, and I we don't have to go so in depth on it. But but the Jet hiring of Robert uh, Salah from San Francisco, the defensive coordinator, I, you know, I, 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 I listen, majority of Jet fans love this hire. Yeah, they're now real, look real moon about it. They're over the moon about it. I mean, I guess it's just his whole personality and character on the sidelines, and some people could question whether or not, you know, he could be a successful head coach. But who knows? We, nobody knows. Listen, he did a he did a really good job this year with San Francisco. They had a ton of injuries. Their defense still played hard. They played they played tough. They played competitive. Uh, he got a lot of accolades and a lot of love from his his former players. Man, they all love him, Richard Sherman. They all came out with love for Robert Sala, so you know we'll see what happens. If this was going to be a good high for the Jets, but from all accounts, right now it quieted the Jet fan base down. And more than anything, now Deshaun Watson came out last week and said that he it, the Jets were his number one team because Sala was there. So who knows? This could all be hearsay. But the Jet, the the, the Jet and Deshaun Watson talk has kind of quieted down a little bit because look, the NFL season doesn't reopen again until March 17th, until where you can make trades and things like that and signings and all stuff like that. So it's going to quiet down right now. And who knows, Watson could stick with the Texans, no matter what he might say, if they hire a guy that he, you know, that he wants, whether it be the or Leslie Frazier or one of these guys, you know, Jim Cardwell has been mentioned, you know, maybe he stays there to and Watson and they don't trade him, but from all accounts, they're all saying that he's going to be traded and it's gonna take a hell of a lot for the Jets. And I don't know about you, Andrew, but that's a lot of draft capital you'll probably have to give up. And the Jets over the last couple of years, especially with the Jamal Adams trade, has accumulated have accumulated draft capital. Now, do you bring in a dishon Watson if you have that opportunity?
0: Uh, yeah, it's a no brainer. You move heaven and earth to get him. It's simple. You don't have a quarterback in this league. You don't have anything. I've but how over much, much is, too-
1: and he's only 25, but how much is too much? Is it, is it going to be the, the, the obviously would be the two overall this year. I don't think they give up their second pick, but they might have to give up both number ones next year. Maybe it's going to take three number ones and And also there was a rumor that the Texans were going to ask for Quinn and William's so, you know... It, well, it's-
0: then that, that's just nonsensical. You, that's, a, right. that's a no. But if it's just a draft capital... Look, we, we've said this before. When you're a rebuilding team, yeah, I, the draft capital is an asset, right? Because you have a lot of holes to fill. But... You could hit on every single draft pick. If you don't have a quarterback, you are not going to be successful. I get you're sacrificing some of the other holes on your rosters by ensuring that you have a quarterback. But you know what? When you have the quarterback who has signed an extension, who is under your team control, who is only 25 years old, it affords you a little bit of time to, to really fill those holes. Where if you have the hole at quarterback, you're continuously addressing other holes, but your main priority is filling that hole at quarterback. Once the hole is filled, then I think it buys you a little bit more time to fill out the roster elsewhere. With a new coach coming in, I, I think I think it's a no-brainer. I think that would really excite people. I think the, the the Jets would then become possibly a destination for some free agents. They have a lot of cap space, albeit if they were to bring in Watson, the number on that cap space that they have would dramatically go down. But listen, I I, I I say it a million times. You need a quarterback in this league to be successful, and guys like Deshaun Watson, guys of his pedigree, uh, they don't grow on trees. They don't come around that often. So, I think it's the right move to make. All right, let me let me just let, let, let me just
1: pose this to you. Texans had a, Texans had Deshaun Watson. How many games did they win?
0: Yeah, that's true. But Deshaun Watson, let's let's call a spade a spade. Deshaun Watson should be the MVP it, if Aaron Rodgers didn't play it, the way he played.
1: <laughs> right. But he again, he only won four games. And I'm only putting this out there only because I'm just trying to go to point counterpoint thing here. I agree with what you're saying a hundred percent. But at the same time, if you don't surround these guys with talent. What's the sense? Because Deshaun Watson and, and and people will argue the Texans had more talent on their roster than what the Jets have right now, and the Texans only won four games. So people will argue that point to say, all right, you're going to give up all that draft capital. Okay, well, what about the offensive line? How are we going to fix that after Beckton? What about what about the a running game? What about a receiver? You know, what about a couple of defenders? You can't just sign everybody in free agency. Uh, you you could sign maybe one other guy. Maybe you could sign a receiver in free agency. But then how are you going to build for the draft if you're giving up all that draft capital? So, you know, you could look at it both ways here. I get the whole point of bringing in Deshaun Watson. I get it. But at the same time, if you're not going to keep all your draft capital, you know, what are you going to build around him? You still need to build around him. It's going to take two, three years probably to build around Deshaun Watson. Now, again, like we said, he's only 25. So you have that time. So that's the way you're going to have to look at it is that, hey, look. We'll bring in Watson. We have our quarterback for the next 10 years. Let's try and build something over the next two, three years here.
0: Yeah, I think it's a way to go. Like I said, they, I know that the asking price is going to be astronomical, and, and, and it should for a quarterback like that. As long as the astronomical ask is within reason, you're not giving up the draft capital plus a guy like Quinn and Williams who has really already solidified himself as a beast. On the defensive line, you're not sure. giving up a guy like that plus three first-round picks. No, he's so, a building. He's a building block. On yeah, defense. he's a guy that you build around on defense. So you give up those three first-round picks. Look, if it's if it's let's say for instance it's the three first-round picks and then maybe uh, you know a third rounder, right? Or maybe it's the three first-round picks and you give them Sam Darnold. You know who knows what they asking. But if that, if that's what it is, and if it's only the three first-round picks, well, you have four first-round picks in the next two years, right? So. They could give up three of those picks, still have a first-round pick to get maybe a premier player. If they don't have a lot of talent around Watson and they don't address it free agency, and they're still not going to be that great of a team, well, that first-round pick that they hold on to could be a good pick. So, you know, like I said, quarterback is a quarterback. You need one. When a player like that becomes available, it would be foolish for them not to at least entertain it. So we'll see what happens. You know, I I ultimately don't know what the end up's going to be with Houston. Um, if, Like you said, if they hire the coach of Deshaun Watson's liking, although there are reports saying that it's unsalvageable, uh, I don't see how it would be unsalvageable. But, you know, the players hold all the power nowadays, so who the hell knows what's going to happen. But, you know, once the Super Bowl's over and the offseason starts, I'm sure the rumors are they're not going to slow down. They're just going to continue to pick up. Um, Robert Sala in his introductory press conference and and going through all of his media obligations, going on talk radio and all that stuff. Uh, he wouldn't commit to Sam Darnold. He said he, he there's a lot of things he loves on tape and he think that he's that he's capable of being an NFL quarterback, but he did not set in stone that he's gonna be back next season. So that just
1: fuels the question even more for Jets fans as they yeah, quarterback this team. He shouldn't commit to that either. You know, you can't blame him for that. So yeah. look, there's going there's gonna be there's 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 a there's a lot of quarterbacks that are gonna be on the move, Andrew. So we're gonna have a lot to talk about even after the Super Bowl, as always with the NFL. But you know, as I said, you know, a lot of a lot of this movement can't happen until March 17th. The movement it'll occur, will occur prior to that, but none of this stuff could be announced until at least March 17th. Well, March 17th when the new league officially starts, the new year officially starts for the NFL. So we'll move on now. And I guess you'd like to move on to... uh, Well, I did tell you the Mets were going to make a signing, didn't I? I Yes, but I
0: I did. The Mets are on the back burner right now because it was irrelevant. I think one thing we definitely need to touch on is the Yankees um, and we didn't do it last week because we got into an argument about George Springer for about an hour and 15 minutes so one thing we, we did acknowledge is that the, the Yankees, the deal is done with D.J. LeMahieu obviously, they bring him back Very you know, we mentioned it during the Springer argument but they obviously, they got their key piece and now you're going to see the Yankees start to address pieces elsewhere. Uh, they also signed Corey Kluber to a one year, $11 million deal. Uh, he threw a bullpen session, about 22 teams were present, they said he looked good, he was flutter Around 89 to 92 miles per hour, breaking stuff look good, albeit in a 25 pitch bullpen, so you can't see too much. But they bring him on uh, earlier on or late last week, early this week, they complete the trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They bring in Jamison Tyone to add a starting pitcher to that rotation. They give up four prospects. Two of the two guys were on the 40 man roster, so that also frees up roster space for them to make some other moves. Um they addressed the bullpen. They traded Adam Otavino for a salary dump, gives him a little bit more flexibility as far as the luxury tax is concerned. And then they just filled that hole in the bullpen that Otavino caused by signing Darren O'Day uh, to a one year deal. Are
1: the Yankees reminding you of anybody right now? I mean Yeah, particular- they're reminding me
0: of of uh, they're reminding me of Jed Jeff and Fred Wilpon, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I mean don't don't doesn't Kluber and 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 uh and and Talon reminds you of like Walker and Porcello. <laughs> I mean,
0: well, to I, be fair, Tyone has a lot of potential, but he's always yeah, but he, he's always he's hurt. He's
1: injured, he's constantly he's hurt. He's always hurt. Kluber constantly is hurt. Kluber
0: is the definition
1: of a Will Pond signing. And this is not oh my God. this is not the this is and not and then to dump out of Vino on the out. Red Sox, you're dumping the eight million dollars, you gotta I mean listen, I understand out of Vino hasn't been that good for you, but still another salary dump. It's like the Yankees are trying to just grab a a, a hot mess of poop and throw it against the wall and hope it sticks right now. This is not the Yankees that we heard of. Well, this is oh what my I said. God. I said
0: this to you when they first signed Kluber. I said everybody and, and judge that day, it was the same day that they had signed DJ LeMayhew and judging by the reactions on social media from people that I'm friends with, uh, media personalities, talk show hosts, it seemed as if everyone was more excited about the Kluber signing than they were. I I know that that's obviously not true. Corey Kluber is so
1: soft and has come up small in such big spots, Andrew. And I don't see him succeeding with the Yankees. I just don't.
0: And they give him $11 million, $11 million.
1: Yeah. I mean, my God, Pitched
0: in two seasons, 11 million. Oh my
1: God, please. My God. Listen, and it was
0: reported today, uh, although it's not a done deal. It was reported today that Tanaka is going to be returning to Japan. So, yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah, uh, there seems to be no interest from the Yankees point of view to bring back James Paxton. So, you know, you obviously you have Garrett Cole is your number one Severino you're hoping comes back from the Tommy John and is able to pitch.
1: They uh, have they have Cole and about nine question marks, Andrew. That's what yeah, they have. Yeah,
0: Kluber's a question mark. Tyone's a question mark. Garcia Garcia's a question mark. Uh, Michael King, Clark Schmidt, question, all these guys, question mark. Domingo Herman, question mark. All these guys are question marks. So, you know, a team that's supposedly built to win a championship, having these many question marks going into the season is not a good look. Now, I did say this. This is not Yankees bashing hour, okay? Is there potential for the Corey Kluber sign to be tremendous? Yeah, I guess there is. And if any team is going to catch lightning in a bottle, it's probably going to be the Yankees. But let me tell you something. I've seen signings like this happen one after the other after the other these past few seasons, not just with the Mets, but all across baseball. They backfire. And not to mention, we give the Yankees all, these, all this credit for finding diamonds in the rough. Look what they did two years ago, and look how it worked out. They signed Troy Tulowitzky and thought that that was going to be catching lightning in a bottle. Tulowitzky played, what, 12 games? I mean, yeah, clearly. no, I, listen, it's when the Yankees real.
1: sign him, everybody's Yahoo. They think it's going to be the greatest signing in the world. Like the Yankees found something, you know, they, they found a diamond in the rough here. You know, if, if the Mets were to do the same thing, and they would have signed Kluber in the Wilpon days, they would have got destroyed. I mean, if so they have, if
0: they would have signed Kluber now, they would have been saying same old
1: Mets. Right. It, it, right, exactly. So, you know, look, because the it's the Yankees, they get away with it. But I don't see this Kluber working out. I don't see Tyone working out. I don't see any of this working out for them. I just don't. You know, you talk about going shopping in what what did Scott Boris say? Shopping in the what gourmet aisle. In, in in the in the in well, not in the they're not in the gourmet aisle, the Yankees. Well, that's
0: I forget what he he said. What was it? They were, he, what are they in the frozen
1: food section? Well, actually the Yankees we'll, we'll say they're in the frozen food section right now. How's that?
0: Right. Right. I I mean he used an analogy with the Mets. Now they're going to be shopping in the gourmet section they were previously shopping in and I forget I forget the the analogy that Yeah, I, some, it was a good one. it was a yeah, good one.
1: Yeah, but look, it, it is the bottom line it is there there Trevor Bauer still out there with the Mets. You know, and it's being reported by Andy Martino that supposedly the offer was at least 4 years but it's less than a 36 million dollar average annual value he was looking at. I think he wanted to top Garrett Cole because he he hates Garrett Cole. Goes back to their college days, um, and supposedly included a couple of opt outs in it as well. So I guess the Mets are trying to be a little creative, you know. I tell you, when I first heard that they were you know offered him the contract, I think I got a little excited and say, "Wow, that could be a good good rotation here with with Degrom and Bow and Stroman, you know, and Carrasco." And I'm starting to look at it now, Andrew, and I'm saying. I don't think he's worth that sort of money.
0: Uh, No, and this is what I was going to bring up. Anyone, anyone out there, just it'll take 30 seconds. Just go up on baseball reference. Look up Trevor Bauer's career. He's
1: been in the league for seven years. He's been good for a year and a half. Well, listen, look, we have to think that maybe he's going to be better and maybe he's gotten better over the last all right, 2018 he had a really, really terrific year. 2019 was not a great year and obviously last year uh with the well you know he he had a, he had a very good year and a shortened season obviously.
0: Right, and so, I don't know how much stock you could take in that because you see guys like Bauer who had tremendous seasons. You see guys like Christian Yelich and Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor who are some of the most athletic, electrifying players in the sport who had terrible seasons. So I don't think you take a lot of stock in a shortened season. Now, he's got the Cy Young Award. He's got the hardware for it that lasts forever. I get it, not discounting that. But I just don't know how much stock you could put in that moving forward when deciding how much a guy is worth on a long-term deal like that. When I heard that they were interested in Bauer, and look, I thought in the beginning of the offseason, I thought Bauer would be a good signing because starting pitching was a big hole for this Mets team. But, you know, now I'm looking at it, and you know how I felt about George Springer. Obviously, we're not going to get into that again. There's no denying that George Springer was a better fit at this current moment than Trevor Bauer is. In the beginning of the offseason, maybe Bauer was a better fit. But now you have Carrasco, right? You made the trade for Joey Lucchese who's going to provide you with even more depth in the starting rotation at this current moment. Bauer is not the greatest of fits for that kind of money, right? A 36 million a year. First of all, he's not worth it. He's not even close to being worth $36 million a year. Garrett Cole, you're talking about a generational, you know, once in a, in a century type pitcher, right? He's The best pitcher in arguably the best pitcher in baseball. Trevor Bauer is not. And I would hate to see them sign him because, and I'm thinking about this the other day, the only team that I can think of, and I could be wrong, maybe I'm just forgetting, but the only team I can think of that has so much money front-loaded into the top of his starting rotation is the Nationals, right? So if you were to sign Bauer, let's say it's $30 million a year, right? You have DeGrom at 27 and a half, who, as you brought up last week, has an opt-out after 2022. You're going to have Bauer making 30. You have Stroman making 18.9. Cindergard's contract is up. You may want to bring him back, right? The only other team I could think of that has that much money tied up in the, in the front of their rotation is the Nationals with Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg. And what have you seen the Nationals do the past couple seasons? They had to let Bryce Harper walk. They had to let Anthony Rendon walk. They're going to end up letting Trey Turner walk. The only person, the only position player on the Nationals that I could see them re-signing is Juan Soto because he's a generational guy that you build around. Did, These did other guys the, are going to have to you let him walk.
1: The, did you see the Brad Hand contract?
0: One year, 10 and a half.
1: Yep. Yeah, yes, but they backloaded it. They gave him they gave him $4.5 this year, and 2022, 23, and four, 24, they spread the other $6.5 million. Dollars. How's that? And I'm sure he's getting interest on that, but that's what they did. That's what they did. Now, I sent you a text yesterday. I don't know if you took much stock in it, but I still circle back to the Arenado thing now. I really, really do. And the more I think about it, if they could somehow offload the contracts of, which would be Steven Matz, which is fine. He's $5 million. Even familiar is $10 million for this one year. And especially Cano, who's owed twenty something million over the next two years, probably anywhere from forty-four to forty-two million, I think it is, over these next two years, and then include, you know, a Nimo, a JD Davis, and a prospect. Uh, you know, Arenado not is it, not so far fetched. In a then, deal.
0: well, they would have to. Uh- I'm I'm hearing too. I've heard some whispers that um, if Arenado is dealt, and there's not, there doesn't seem to be a, an overwhelming feeling that they're in a rush to deal him. Uh, but it looks like along with him, they want somebody to take on the money of Ian Desmond.
1: Wow! Listen, I don't know, but what does Desmond got left?
0: Um. I think, I think Joel Sherman reported that Ian Desmond and Familia's money would kind of offset because it's similar. They signed him
1: but they signed him about three years ago, right?
0: They gave him five years, 70 million, and he's got this year at eight million, 2022 at 15 million, and then he's an unrestricted free agent in 2023. But the 2022 is a club
1: option with a two million dollar buyout. So basically he'd be free after this year. You could let him walk.
0: Yeah, for eight million.
1: But yeah. right, right. Well, no. Well, he he's getting paid eight million this year, but after this year you just give him a two million dollar buyout, or was it after twenty twenty two?
0: Um, no, the twenty twenty it's a twenty twenty two club option for fifteen million dollars. And if they wanted to climb the club club option, they'd buy him out for two million.
1: So really he's so it's, realistically it's a on the hook for one year, eight million. Yeah. It's a wash with familiar. Well, look, it I mean it's, I tell you see if the if
0: familiar is contract is the only one with the Mets that really makes it really puts a dent in giving them more flexibility. So if you're taking on another contract that offsets that, then I don't really know how, how they can swing it unless they plan on going over the luxury tax. And I don't know if they do. Uh, I, I wouldn't blame them if they didn't, I wouldn't, Blame them if they did, Uh, you know, like we said this last week, once the basic agreement is up, that resets. We don't even know if there will be a threshold. And if there is a threshold, it'll, like I said, it will still reset. So you're not getting those hefty penalties for being a repeat offender. So it's something to look into. It's something to look into for sure. Because he's, again, he's a generational player and he's already signed. You don't have to worry about coming to an agreement with him like you do with Francisco Lindor. Arenado's already under contract and he ain't opting out. From that contract He's
1: not opting out That's not happening Not in this Over these next couple of years He's not opting out So I I, Like I said I I keep going back I keep circling back to that And I tell you man I I don't think it's that far-fetched I don't think it's that far-fetched
0: See my only thing is There was no buzz about Lindor But during the presser, you heard Sandy Alderson say that they have been in discussions with the Indians since the offseason started. You have to think that they have been in contact with the Rockies at some point.
1: And they're also not enamored with J.D. Davis. Sandy Alderson pretty much said that without mentioning J.D. Davis's name. You know, he's not happy at their base. He's not happy, you know, with the... So, I mean, look. it. Like I said, it makes sense. Uh, would they do it? I don't know. I circle back to it, though. I do think about it. Now, if you want to look at even lesser options for the Mets, you know, Colton Wong is out there, who's pretty good second baseman with some speed, can hit a little bit. You leave McNeil at third base, put Colton Wong at second. Nothing wrong with that if you wanted to do something like that.
0: And he's he's a utility guy. He could play a bunch of different positions, Colton Wong. He could play, the, he could play a little bit of outfield, too, if he needed.
1: Yeah, I, I still think I still think there are going to be teams that are still um, going to look to salary dump as as we get closer towards spring training. I think you're going to see more and more teams looking to salary dump. I think there'll be other guys out there, and I said I think I mentioned this to you before uh, last week or at some point. There is going to be. I think it was last week when we ended the podcast. There's going to be a trade that's going to come out of nowhere somewhere, and I think it's going to include the Mets. It's going to be a trade we're going to say, wow, I didn't expect that. You know, I'm not going to say it's going to be a blockbuster proportion, but something of some sort of significance, because I just feel like there's enough teams out there that lost enough money that also see, that don't see daylight yet coming with fans being in the stands that they're going to still look to make moves. So, We'll see. Now, I you know I, I can't see the Yankees making a deal like that because the Yankees really don't have much to give up. They really don't. Maybe Miguel Ander. But you know, I don't you don't know how other teams see Miguel Ander. They might only see him as a DH. He's not that good of a third baseman, and he tried to play left field and that really didn't work out. He's a hell of a bat. You know, so I mean, look, the options would be open for the Yankees. To move Andujar if somehow, somewhere they can come to a decision whether or not they're going to have a DH in the National League because it opens up a whole other league for the Yankees in the deal and Miguel Andujar maybe for some, more, for some more pitching help.
0: Yeah, you know, I circle back to this too, and I said this episodes ago. Uh, no one knows what he's going to be. And I'm not sure if we would have that much clarity, but there's no denying that we would have a little bit more clarity on the Yankees pitching situation had they just let Davey Garcia pitch that playoff game. I mean, you have no idea what you're going to get. You'd have a little bit better of an idea if you let him pitch in that game against or, the Rays.
1: Yeah, I, I think you'd get a little bit more of, a, of an idea. Um, look, Yankees, we, how many times have I said it? When, was the Yankees develop? when did the Yankees develop any starting pitches? All right. Yes. Severino, you could say, but at the same time, Severino has been hurt. So the jury's out on him. You know, he, he had some starts where he looked really, really good, but he's been hurt for the past almost two years, Severino. So you don't know what he's going to come back to be. You know, Domingo, Haman, they didn't develop. They got him from other, you know, he was, I think he was even with the Mets at one point, Domingo Haman. But, you know, so the Yankees really have not developed their own pitching. So I can't trust Debbie Garcia and Clark Schmidt at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So after Garrett Cole, I mean, man, you got a bunch of question marks. Even Jordan Montgomery, as we mentioned, question marks. Look, their lineup is going to be their lineup. The Yankees are going to slug people. You know, they're going to outslug people at times. Don't get me wrong. But look, again, you don't know what the hell you're going to get out of his pitching staff. And I'll be honest with you. I think they could use a couple of more bullpen arms as well. So. Well, like I, I said, know. they
0: did sign Darren O'Day today to kind of. yeah, They signed O'Day. That Adivino wasn't a bad cost. sign.
1: Yeah. That wasn't a bad sign. And, they, and from, and from what was rumored, the Yankees felt like, uh, Adivino couldn't handle New York. I mean, the kids from Brooklyn, you know, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it was a little too pressure, too much on him. Family, this, that friends around, who knows? Who knows how that works, but listen, it is what it is. They're not going to miss out of Vino anyway, so much even though they did sign him to that to that contract. But you know, but you go back to the Mets and um, look. I, I, be, all right, so let's put it this way: if the Mets don't sign Trevor Bauer, who signs him? I mentioned the Angels, and that's the only other team that you hear rumored is the Angels. Who else would sign Bauer? Where is he going to get this money from? You know, look, we always, we always had that one dumb owner when push came to shove. Last year was the Phillies with Bryce Harper. They finally relented, gave him all the money. You know, there's always that one dumb owner. In this sort of atmosphere we have now going on with all the losses that most of these major league teams took and not having the fans in the stands, a shortened season last year, this year the uncertainty of any sort of fans in the stands, even if it's a few thousand, it wouldn't be enough. You're not going to have that one dumb owner come out of nowhere to all of a sudden give Bauer that five, six, seven-year contract, that thirty-eight million dollars a year, and he's not that sort of pitcher. So you know, uh, the Mets could be bidding against themselves here.
0: At this point, I just don't see him as that big, that that much of a fit. I really don't. And let's be honest, I mean. We asked Tim healy about this and, and he kind of disagreed, but I mean, we really don't know how he would fare in New York. You don't, yes, it becomes easier if the, if the reporters are not in the locker room. Right. Um, And if they're just doing it over zoom calls, it does make facing the music per se after a bad performance True, it a makes little it bit easier. easier. Yes. But that's not going to last forever. Right. And you know, his, his personality is a lot. And you got to know what you're getting into bed with. You know, we we use that analogy when the Nets, Nets signed Kyrie. You knew what you were getting into bed with. So you got to know what you're getting into bed with with Bauer, too. Um, you know, but if you sign Bauer and let's say it is 30 plus million dollars, I think that almost guarantees that the Grom opts out. And tries to because as it is, he's probably kicking himself. He might even opt out as it is because he's probably kicking himself that he accepted that contract in the first place.
1: I don't know. Listen, he's making thirty-two million dollars a year, Degrom. I think Degrom just wants to win. And again, you know, we we still don't. I tell you, you know, I, this economic downfall here, Andrew, not only just for for the city and the state that we live in, but for just sports in general. I don't think we've even seen it yet. I think we're gonna still see it down the road because. This economic downfall isn't going to just go away because you know what? These owners are businessmen or women, whatever it may be. So this is going to be felt for a few years because this will probably be at least two years where they're not going to be making money for the most part. Because you're not going to just be packing fans into the stands come June, July, August. Yeah, maybe you'll get 8,000, 10,000 people in there if you see the vaccination starts to work. You're not all of a sudden going to get these forty thousand here, so there's going to be some 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 economic downfall for for a couple of years here. So even Jacob DeGran opting out, I don't think would be a wise move, especially if you're going to opt out. At, you know, a, a pitcher, even though he doesn't have a lot of mileage on his arm because he started later in his career, but you know, at the age of thirty three years old to opt out, you know, out of a $32, $33 three million dollar contract. So I don't know if he's going to opt out so much, but. Look, I just think Jacob Degrom is one of those guys that signed his deal. He accepted it, and he still signed a hell of a contract. It's still a lot of money to make, you know. And I don't think he's going to be getting upwards to forty million dollars unless all of a sudden things turn. But I just don't see—I don't see the economy in any of these sports, you know, uh, um, just all of a sudden coming back over the next couple of years because I think these owners are pissed off that they're losing all this money because again. They are businessmen, Andrew. They're businessmen first. Right. You know, let's let's face it. So, all right, well, look, we'll, we'll have enough of baseball. And I guess it uh, uh, pains me to say, but we got to talk ranges. I guess, right now.
0: Uh, that's the move. That's, that's the way to go. And you kind of said everything that needed to be said as far as David Quinn is concerned. And we've seen more of the same these past couple of games. I mean, the fact that you have your young players that you've drafted, Second overall last year, first overall this year. They have the potential and capability to be building blocks of your franchise, and they are buried on the depth chart. Lafreniere sees no ice time. Kako sees no ice time. He had Lafreniere at certain points last night on the same line as Brett Howden and Colin
1: Blackwell. I I know, I know. It makes no sense. It just makes no sense. This guy makes no sense. I'm telling you, Andrew, I told you that. He's got to get fired. He's got, and you, and you see how much, and, and just to show how, how important Filippito was, how did that team look last night without Filippito, especially down the middle at center? Because Ryan Strom, I don't think, I don't think Sam Rosen and Micheletti mentioned his name last night. He absolutely sucks. I told you, I, I, not that I had to tell you, you know it too. And probably any Ranger fan listening to this work, their salt knows that Ryan Strom absolutely sucks. I mean, it's enough for that guy, and it's enough for watching Jack Johnson trying to skate around. I mean, my God, please, dear Lord, I don't care if a young kid isn't that talented. I'd rather see a young kid out there making mistakes than Jack Johnson, who took such a, an egregious penalty, which I knew was going to bite the Rangers in the ass. Rangers were playing a terrific first period. They were playing, they were defending well. They were up one nothing, and Jack Johnson takes a knee-to-knee hit, that was so stupid in his own zone. It was just so stupid. And I I was cursing. I was cursing because I knew it would come back to bottom of the S because the Sabres power play has been terrific to start this season. And now the Rangers are at 1-4-1. and one. And I'm telling you right now, and I said it from the get-go, Andrew, the first 10 games, 56 games here, the Rangers are in deep, deep, deep trouble. Their goaltending has not been that good. Shesterkin has not been good. Georg, Georgie have had the one game against the Islanders. He made a couple of big saves last night, but he also gave up a couple of weak goals again. Yeah. Gave up a couple of weak goals and you see it for 12 years. I'll say it again. Henrik Lundqvist carried this team. You have seen breakaways and shootouts. Nobody scored on him. And once again, between the shootout the other night with is which he couldn't stop anything any sort of puck, he couldn't stop a balloon at that point. Georgiev also, Thomas Rita comes out on a breakaway who had zero goals last year, zero, and beats Georgiev. You cannot give up a goal to Thomas R- Toby, Tobias Rita on that. You just can't. I don't care breakaway or not. You just cannot. So now you got to wonder if these young kids are a little overwhelmed without having Henrik Lundqvist behind them for a little support.
0: Well, and I said this last night too, and I was talking to my father about the game. Not only does Jack J- Johnson take the egregious penalty. Oh, my God, does he suck? Not, not only does he take that egregious penalty to give Buffalo a power play, which they later scored on, but then later in the game, and I forget who it was that took the penalty, but they then put Jack Johnson on the penalty kill. It's unbelievable. And Jack Johnson just totally forgets about his assignment, is just standing there watching, does not take away the passing lane. Easy pass between the circles for an easy goal. First of all, you had Truba who backed off the man with the puck and basically just kind of went down to block the shot, even though there was no shot being taken. He just kind of took himself out of the play. And Jack Johnson is up by the point watching his man skate by and doesn't take away the passing lane. It's, It's either just A, a complete lack of hockey IQ, or B, total laziness. I wouldn't be shocked if it was either. But the fact that Jack Johnson is playing meaningful minutes on this team, and you know me, I'm not a big Brendan Smith fan, but Brendan Smith is a lot more worthy of minutes at this point than Jack Johnson is. hundred percent. And I had a feeling this was going to happen. I know I, I pointed it out to you as soon as they signed Jack Johnson that this was bad. And at first, you were kind of like, eh, it's one year, I don't think it's terrible. And then as the offseason went on and on, you started to think more and more about it, and you realized just how bad it had the potential of being. And I, every I just, Rangers fan is realizing their worst fears right I, now.
1: I, I just didn't think they use him as much as they're using him. I figured, all right, they're just looking for a veteran, veteran defenseman just to plug in if they have to plug somebody in. They're going to use the young kids here. And Keandre Miller has looked absolutely terrific. Oh, he's looking You know, he's a shutdown yep. defenseman. My God, and, he's looking And I was nervous so about good. Miller because the first game of the season, he looked lost. Yeah, he had the, he had had the, you know, he had just some nerves there and you know just just play these kids and in fact i tell you the truth these kids have been better than the veterans because i'll tell you right now panarin has been a better get off their ass and start scoring here because they ain't doing nothing neither one of those two guys not doing anything here well that's it's the young thing. kids it's the young kids that are really kind of you know keeping them in games and i don't want to hear his freaking press conferences anymore quinn after the game we're close. We're close. We're playing well, but we're close. We're cl- I don't want to hear close. You lost. You lost. I don't care if it's by your goal. I don't care how great you think your team played. You lost. You are now 1-4-1. and one. Close does not get you into the playoffs.
0: I tell you what. One thing that is keeping me a little bit positive just to play devil's advocate and just to kind of be an optimist a little bit here is that part of me thinks they have played well enough to win in some of these games. They just can't do it for a full 60 minutes, which is a little concerning to you. But part of me thinks if they start getting some production out of the top six. I think that they'll be fine. The goaltending has to get a little better and they get a little more production out of the top six. I think they can be fine. Now, the only concern is again, they have yet to put together a full sixty minutes, and two, the schedule doesn't do them any favors. You're only playing the teams in your division, and which is by far the most competitive division in all four of them since the realignment. So, but the bottom line is that they whatever they have to do to turn things around, they have to do it like yesterday.
1: <laughs> Look, I, I thought last night was a must-win early in the season. It was almost a season-saving win because at one four and one now, man, you better go on a five and six-game winning streak, and in this division. The Rangers are not capable of doing that. They're not capable. They're just not. There's too many good teams in this division for them to go off on, on, on any sort of a winning streak. They're really... Uh, that's that's the concern. That is the concern. And I'm concerned. And without Hedl there, now, now what are we looking at? We're looking at one center. Zibanejad. That's it. I don't consider Ryan... I consider Ryan Strom a dead body. <laughs> Basically a body... You know, basically, you know, when when you cut the, the the head off a chicken and the chicken still runs around alive for a few seconds, that's what I see with Ryan Strom. I see a dead chicken. That's what I looked at. That's what I see. I mean, I, I can't. I, that guy I cannot take. And the Islanders and Devils lost last night. I mean, look, Devils got off to a decent start. Islanders have got off with a decent start. So they got a little bit of a cushion to lose these games, at least a little bit. You know, the Islanders don't have a lot of firepower, but the Islanders play disciplined hockey. They play shutdown hockey. It's tough to score on them. Devils are a young team right now. They're probably, you know, new coach. And so I I don't expect those two teams to really uh, pull away from the Rangers. But, man, between the Flyers and the Capitals and, you know, again, I don't think the Penguins are as good this year, but still. The Rangers need to go on a five- and six-game winning streak. And I'm telling you right now, their next three or four games, Andrew, are, are, are must-wins.
0: Well, they have Buffalo again, and then they have, who, uh, Washington and Pittsburgh?
1: They have, they have, uh, i tell you right now. Yeah, they have uh, Buffalo tomorrow night again. And then they have on Saturday. Uh, is it Saturday? No. Oh yeah, they have the Penguins on Saturday at the Garden. So look, you, you, if you need to win these two games, period, period. If you lose these next two games, just play your exhibition games the rest of the game, rest of the year, because you're not going anywhere. And who it's starts, concerning. Who it's
0: on Friday or Thursday. Friday.
1: Listen, just play just in the next two games. I agree. I agree 100%. Just play him. Play him. That's it. Georgiev, to me, is a good backup goalie. That's what he is. I want to see Sisterkin get on a roll, get him play. I want to see him playing five, six games in a row. He's young. I, I don't care if there's back to backs. Henrik was played back to backs his whole freaking career. I mean, stop. Let's stop here. There were, game, there were seasons we were playing 65, 70 games a year. So let's stop. Play the kid. Just playing five, six games in a row. He's supposed to be your guy play him five six seven games in a row let him try and get on a roll here so and please just leave jack johnson out of the mix
0: <laughs> the wishful thinking leave now, him out listen i know you said and i don't know if it was hyperbole or not but you said that john davidson is not going to stand for an extremely poor no. start. in your no. opinion though and an educated guess how long obviously i hope that the slide ends and they win games because time is running out they need to start winning them but realistically how long th- th- will this slide last until
1: a change is warranted i i told you it would be about 10 games i i i i'm probably off base a little bit on that but i did say it would be around 10 games and i'm telling you right now i i just feel like as i said davidson's not married to him he's not no, it wasn't his hire. Nope. Not his hire. You know, it's it's not his hire. So he's not married to him, Andrew. So I, I, I tell you, I, I just feel like they're going to, you know, they're expecting progress this year and they're not getting it. And that's a problem.
0: But, you, and, and the biggest problem was that with that was what was the sole reason why they brought him in to see to progress.
1: Right to see develop these young players.
0: Right, so you know your your leash your leash is, becomes short because of the fact that Davidson didn't hire him. The leash becomes even shorter because the sole reason why you were brought here it, that seems to be a weakness of this team. You're not seeing development, and again, the, the development isn't. You know, I'm sure we probably would see development if we saw these kids get more exposure and more ice time. Um, we don't see I, these guys get any
1: ice time. That and I think that'll be the frustration of the Ranger organization and the higher-ups is that they're not seeing these kids play. And I don't know whose decision it is to play Jack Johnson. I don't know if that's coming from Quinn's superiors, from Gordon and JD, or if this is just Quinn, Quinn's decision. So I, I'm not sure here. I'm just not sure. And the other guy I could see pretty much... Pretty much going out the door is going to be Tony D'Angelo soon. I really uh, feel that D'Angelo
0: way. has looked very, very lazy to he, me.
1: He, he's looked. He's looked like a guy that's on a lifeline right now. He really, really, ha- he really, really has. He does not look good at all. He almost looks like he's playing tentative. He almost looks like he's playing uh, scared. He's not the same Tony D'Angelo. I'll tell you that. So he, he
0: looks to me like he's favoring that right leg a lot.
1: Uh, he just looks very, very tentative to me. And why, Andrew? They got him playing with Jack Johnson. They got him playing with Jack Johnson.
0: Well, I got to tell you, another player I'm really concerned about is Jacob Truba. And that contract is oh. not movable. It's not movable.
1: No, it's not movable. And he made a, a terrible, terrible, terrible pinch. Puck got by him. And that's the, that was the breakaway goal by Tobias Rita. Last night, he made a terrible pinch. And Doni D'Angelo made a terrible play himself by not being back there to help out. You know, he made a terrible play. You know what?
0: That's, that's, That's the problem. And the Rangers, even when they were making their Stanley Cup runs, this was a problem. You had, you know, unfortunately, you had some weak links and you had no choice but to pair them with your best guys. And I think as good as a guy like Adam Fox has been, I think that you're not even seeing him reach his full potential because he has to pick up someone else's slack so often. And that's the problem. They need guys who can actually play defense. They need guys who can play defense. They have too many of the same player. Truba and D'Angelo are really the same player. They're right-handed offensive defensemen. Whenever there's a one-on-one battle, whether it be in transition or in a corner battling for a puck, they get out manned. They get out muscled. They get out schooled. Every single time. They have too many guys like that. Now, Fox, he's a two-way defenseman. I see him being a star in this league. Keandre Miller, I'm not going to overreact to only 6 games, but he's looked like a stud. He looks he, like he, he has looked, his game. Yeah, He's too. looked terrific. And Brendan Smith, you know, Brendan Smith has played good, he's warranted ice time, but he's a stopgap. Everybody else.
1: But he's a hell of a lot he's a hell of a lot better than 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 Jack Johnson.
0: Oh, no, that goes without saying. I, I mean, mean,
1: he he's a hell of a lot better. I mean, it's not even close. It's really not. So, you know, I I just don't understand their reasoning. Addressing Jack Johnson. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I I just don't see it.
0: Well, I'm not going to get too far into them because this is not an Islanders podcast, but it was actually a friend of ours that came to the house today. Um, Works for insurance. My parents were talking to him and uh, he's a big Islanders fan. And he says, man, I'm so mad that Panarin stiffed us for less money to go with the Rangers because the, the Islanders problem right now is that they don't have premier goal scorers. No, they, they have They, they didn't it, even they, have a They didn't even have a goal yeah. scorer. I think the Islanders, if you look closer and closer at that team, it's a team that is just so well coached that it makes the roster look better than it actually is. Because Barry uh, Trotz yes, is a hell I of a coach. I agree with
1: that. I agree with that.
0: He's a hell of a coach. So I, I a coach agree with that. They just don't have enough talent. And the top six, they have a good, uh, a bunch of role players. And you know what? It reminds me a little bit of the Rangers, right? When the Rangers were making their cup runs, they were going as far as Lundquist took them, but they really didn't have any star studded talent on their top six lines.
1: No, the Islanders is.
0: locked that too. I mean, Barzella's is a star, but Pajot is not a superstar. Anders Lee, Brock Nelson. These guys aren't superstars. They're good role players on good teams. So they're another team that's fallen short too. And I said that the Rangers and Islanders might be battling for that last spot. And, you know, the Rangers need to pick it up if they want to even battle for that last spot or this season's going to be over before it even really begins. But both of those teams really need some more production out of their top six because it's, it's there's glaring issues. And the Rangers obviously have more glaring issues than the Islanders do at this juncture of the season, but needs to get picked up. And you know what we saw in the playoffs last season, too? We saw in the playoffs, the top six didn't produce. The Rangers couldn't score any goals. Now, it's a nope. little bit reassuring this year that they're able to get some production out of the bottom six, but... The top six is
1: what makes this team so good. And we're not seeing anything from them. Well, he might have to start spreading out his, his, you know, I mean, it's tough to put Bucinavich on a third line like that, but I mean, just to try and spread out the scoring. Well, you know what? You
0: You know, what's really boggling my mind. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Panarin to me. Looks like he's playing a whole different style of hockey this year. He looks more like Ovechkin, where he's stationed on that left circle and he's just he's on an island there and he's not moving around. Yeah, he got a little too
1: to. comfortable in that spot. Yeah, he he got a little too comfortable. So and he's not you know. producing like he did. No, he's not. And it, it, I tell you, he's missing the net a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. He's missed the net a lot. So, so what did so. you
0: say? Buffalo Thursday, Pittsburgh Saturday. Yes, or Friday and Sunday.
1: Uh, Buffalo tomorrow night And Saturday night Pittsburgh
0: Okay Two big games They need them both They really do Because so like I said so, Schedule isn't doing them any favors
1: No, no favors Quick recap The Knicks went one and three On their West Coast trip You know, to be expected After Kevin off the, off the win uh, Against the Warriors They lost three straight Had a 14-point lead at the half Against um, uh Man, who, I just forgot who they played. Oh, Utah. Oh, the Jazz, yeah, who have been one of the played hottest the Jazz. Teams the Yeah, game. I think they won. Well, their last loss was against the Knicks at the Garden. Yeah. That was and, their last and loss. the Knicks
0: had a lead for a good portion of that game.
1: And then in yeah. the fourth quarter, I don't think the Knicks scored a bucket until the no.
0: five-minute mark of the fourth quarter.
1: Well, Austin Rivers was on fire in the first half. He had 25 points. I think he wound up with 25 points.
0: Well, see, that's the problem with the Knicks, is that they don't have enough consistent scoring. You know, one night quickly looks like he's hot. One night, Barrett's hot. The next night, Rivers is hot. but. It, they don't have consistent enough scoring, and it, no. you're seeing it. They're scoring 95 points a game. You're not going to win many basketball games like that. Now, to their credit, they have been the number one defensive team in all of basketball, and that's to be expected with a Tom Thibodeau yes. coached team. But, you know, you've seen a team that lacks talent. They're staying in ball games. You're seeing progress, so you still got to be happy. We didn't see this team making a playoff spot or anything like that, so you can't really be mad with the way they've been playing. Sure, they've had a couple of bad games, but, again, that's to be expected when you have a team that lacks so much talent. Uh, Julius Randle really looks like a stud. He really does. He might be dealt. Well, that's what I said. I think Julius Randle is going to be this year's version of Marcus Morris, a guy that gets yeah. dealt for some first-round picks or a couple picks at the deadline.
1: Because he he's might going be, to be a player who's yeah. a
0: hot commodity for a contending team.
1: Uh, 100%. And I tell you, Emmanuel quickly has looked good.
0: Yeah. There's no reason why he shouldn't be the starting point guard. need to give him more minutes. I understand he's playing 22 minutes or so off the bench, but I think you've seen enough from him at this point, and you've certainly seen enough of Alfred Payton where – you don't need Peyton starting at point guard anymore. You really don't.
1: I just Let's think see more they want him.
0: Let's see more Toppin.
1: I think they're trying to hide him, you know, against other other teams. Second, uh, second team, you know, in the rotation. So maybe it's it's better off that quickly instead of starting off against the team starting point guard. Maybe they try and hide him that way a little bit, you know. I guess that's what they're trying to do to quickly. So just trying to develop him slowly a little bit. But he's, I tell you what, he's looked terrific. That kid. He didn't have a great game last night, but that's to be expected from a young player.
0: Yeah, he's young. He's going to have growing pains. We said that. The whole team is going to get growing pains. It's a very young team. A lot of unproven talent.
1: And the Nets are doing what the Nets are going to do. You know, they're not going to play defense, and they're going to have a three-headed monster. But I tell you right now, the, the Nets better get the, the Nets better get themselves uh, um, some depth. They need a big man. They better get themselves some depth because I tell you, You know, supposedly a buyout is coming for Andre Drummond from Cleveland, who would be a perfect fit for the Knicks. Perfect. For the uh, Nets.
0: You know who would be a perfect fit for the Nets right now? Kevin Love,
1: they're talking. You know who would be a perfect
0: fit for the Nets? Jared Allen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest. He would be a perfect fit. Now, look, they made the trade, and again, uh, we can't evaluate it until we see what they do. If they win a, a title or two, then obviously there's no complaints coming. But they lack big man depth, and it's clear at this point. DeAndre Jordan cannot play everyday center minutes. He's just not that player anymore. No, he's not. So they definitely need more depth. And, you know, there's some players out there. We'll see if they make moves, but that's definitely got to be addressed if they want to make a run. And, and the more time these three guys play together, the more chemistry they're going to get. And, you know, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. Now, ultimately, the Lakers, are. I still think, are a much better team. But, and by the way, one thing we didn't really speak of, a tr- the trade with Harden and the corresponding moves that went with it might have saved Karis Levert's life.
1: Yeah, that was something. He had the mass on his kidney.
0: I mean, that is something, you know, everything. It's just a, it's just a point that everything happens for a reason. Yeah, you know, I was surprised that the trade even went through if he had some kind of condition like that, but they found a mass on his kidney. He had surgery to remove it. They're saying they expect a full recovery for him and, you know, all well wishes to Levert, but it's a scary thing and it just goes to show you. Stars align for a reason. I'm sure he didn't want to leave the Nets, but I'm sure he's thankful that everything that happened happened because it it, might have saved his life.
1: And he pretty much said that because he had zero symptoms of this too. And they caught it early enough to wait. I don't even think he's going to need any sort of uh, after treatment or anything like that. So, you know, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. All right. So we'll wrap it up.
0: All right. And so we next got, week we'll uh,
1: have a we'll have a big episode next week with uh with our Super Bowl week and our Super Bowl predictions. And you you need some catching up to do here, my friend.
0: Oh, there is no catching up to be done. I I think that you're. Well,
1: uh, no, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a chance. I got to give you a
0: chance to catch up. Well, what I'm would gonna need gonna... to happen is we, if we're going to do a one and a two point play, we're going to do one, two, and three. We'll figure out something to do. Whether we pick the total, we pick the the. The, the spread and then we pick uh, give you a, a bonus I'll prop give you a bonus prop bet yeah we'll do something like that and I think what would need to happen is I would need to get all three correct you would need to get all three incorrect so I'll have to pick against you regardless and we'll see how that works
1: out but well no what I'm go- what we'll do is what we'll do is we'll discuss it before the episode we'll get in contact with each other we'll 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 we'll, uh, we'll agree on what the three bets we'll make will be whether it be you know the the point total under over or for the team, and then maybe we'll do a, we'll do a prop bet something out of nowhere where you know what uh it'll it'll be it'll be like a a ten point bonus type of uh prop bet it's
0: right, so a lot of iron and, and, and we'll, we'll write our out
1: picks we'll write our picks down and we'll have to show them to each other because we do this on skype so this way. I won't know what you're picking, and you won't know what I'm picking, until we we flash our picks. I like that, because the last thing I want to do is pick just
0: to pick against you when I don't even right. have any any conviction. Behind right.
1: It. Exactly. You got to have some sort of conviction. That's that's exactly what I mean. Now, where are you leaning? Well, obviously, we'll go more in depth
0: next week. But as far as the game itself, where are you leaning?
1: I can't tell you that.
0: Well, I could tell you I'm leaning Kansas City. Okay.
1: That's okay, and you're just gonna leave
0: it silent. You're not gonna appease me. Believe no. me, it has nothing to do with the picks. I'm just asking no. where you where you're leaning.
1: Well, early on, I'm leaning towards Kansas City. Yes, yes, but look, plenty of time to think about this. I really, really haven't thought about it yet. But you know, I kind of think this game could be the passing of the torch, Brady to Mahomes.
0: Yeah, I could see that
1: the next big dynasty, the next big, great quarterback.
0: Listen, with the you offensive know? weapons they have and how good Patrick Mahomes is. And let's remember, Patrick Mahomes is not 100% healthy right now. So it's just thinking about it, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, I mean, he's, he's going to win a handful of Super Bowls at least. I have to think he will.
1: Yeah, if he stays healthy, sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, you know, why not? With him and Reed. Reed's creativity
0: with Mahomes' freakish athleticism.
1: Yeah, no, it's doubt. gotta happen.
0: It's gotta happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, as long as they they keep so. Well, I tell you the truth though, one huge injury that they had. Speaking of injuries, was to Eric Fisher, huge, yeah, huge injury, hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know, so that's a huge injury. And and you see what happened to Aaron Rodgers when Bakhtieri went down. So. That a whole offensive line kind of fell apart. And although, like I said, I blamed it partly on Rodgers as well because he just seemed like he was hesitant to throw the ball downfield. So look, you know, you know, you got a you got a big left tackle like that. Boy, oh boy. That's a huge, huge injury to that Achilles that Fisher suffered. So, so
0: So now is is Tampa Bay expecting Antoine Winfield and Antonio Brown back?
1: They said Brown probably wouldn't practice this week, but he they expect him to play in a game. And how about that, real quick? Your two boys, huh? Bell and Brown, both in a Super Bowl.
0: Uh, they're passengers.
1: I know they're passengers, but it's just the fact that they're there. And one, one of them are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you got to laugh. One of those two knuckleheads are going to win the Super Bowl. Unreal. I mean, <laughs> I... That's gotta piss you off as a Steeler fan somehow, some way. You wouldn't mind if both were on the same team and and they both lost. That might Listen, make you feel a little bit better.
0: I, I I really it doesn't make me mad at all. Now if one of them puts uh, puts a, a crazy performance in the Super Bowl and is oh, the MVP, not be that, would, that would piss me off. But it's not be I would, I'd Bell. be more happy with Le'Veon Bell winning because one, there's really not too much bad blood there as there is with Antonio Brown. I I, right. I hate Antonio Brown. Le'Veon Bell, I don't really hate at all. You know, I'm I'm. Not happy with the way things ended, but I wouldn't say I hate him by any stretch. And not that I'm actively rooting for him either, but I I think I would mind less, especially because I I like Pat Mahomes. But, you know, I started. I was actually thinking about that. I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was thinking about that the other day. And I said, you know, I root against Brady. I can't stand Brady. I acknowledge that he's the greatest quarterback ever, but I can't stand him because, you know, I'm a fan of an AFC team. And the Steelers have always had a, a world of trouble getting past Brady in the playoffs. And I'm tired of seeing him come out of the AFC. Now, obviously, he's not in the AFC no more. But yeah, you know, he's still the same Tom Brady. So I, I'm actively rooting against him. But I'm thinking about it. And I'm saying, you know what? I'm saying I'm rooting for the Chiefs because I'm more of a fan of Mahomes. But what if Mahomes ends up turning into Tom Brady in the AFC where he's just a perennial winner and my team can't get past him in the playoffs? it, it there's likelihood that that can happen?
1: Yeah, I just think it's a little different because it's not just Brady, but it was the whole Belichick, the Patriots, the Spygate, you know, the uh, the the ball uh, being deflated, the whole thing with the the Patriots got away with things and it was cheating involved and scandals and all this other crap. So I think that played a little a, a little bit into that, but at the same time, I always really like Tom Brady, but I'm also wondering if it's because the Giants beat him both times in the Super Bowl. That it doesn't bother me that much for Brady, especially, yeah, for, I, especially I, I for the fact, that. but especially for the fact that you know I, you know, I, look, I, I, I'm an I root for the Giants of an NFC, obviously, so I don't have to see Brady all that much. But the two times I did really have to see him was in a Super Bowl. So, you know, and the Giants always play Brady tough. They always really did. So, you know, maybe that's part of the reason. But I always respect. I, I respect greatness. That's what I love. I want to see great players play. Like I want, I don't want to ever see a great player not play against my team because they're injured or something. I want great players to play because I just think it makes the sport that much better. Now there are certain great players I don't like. Like the one great player I really don't like is LeBron James. And listen, he's terrific. He's a, I mean, he's one of the all-time greats. He really is. There's something about that guy's personality that just rubs me to the wrong way. And it probably all started when he had that whole big thing with Jim Gray, with the big announcement going to Miami, the whole thing. Probably started from there. And the fact that he turned down the Knicks multiple times. So,
0: yeah, well, I've. We
1: had a lot to do with
0: it. I used to love LeBron, and I've lost a lot of respect for him, too. So, there's, I- there's
1: something about that guy's personality that just rubs me the wrong way. I swear to God, it
0: it does rub a lot of people the the wrong way. And I always, I always, and for the longest time, I didn't have a favorite basketball team. So I just rooted for the great LeBron, you know, but, you know, once I started becoming more and more invested and then I, I agree with you how he can rub people the wrong way. There's certain, there's certain little quirks about him that drive me crazy. And it's the littlest things too, just like, you know. He shoots a free throw. He makes it and his teammates come to shake his hand and like he doesn't shake their hand. Like simple stuff like that just drives me nuts. I, I don't get it. Little things like yeah, that. No, you, know what it, you know what it is, too? It's when someone rubs you the wrong way, you're actively looking at things that that are going to piss you off about
1: that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. And then, you know, the, even the other night when he played against the Cavaliers, he uses this whole thing. Well, I heard one of their front office people, you know, mock me that I missed a shot at the end of the third quarter. And, I, I you know, I love the fourth quarter. So, I mean, come on, stop. And and the guy was like a nobody that worked in the front office. Who cares? come on, LeBron. Is that really... That's really what you need to say. I mean, who cares? Stop. Well, this, stop.
0: Is, this is again. I'll, I'll I'll kind of defend. Just
1: so many there. things about that guy that runs me wrong way. I well, swear I'm swear
0: i actually going to defend Le- well, I wouldn't say defend. Defend is not the right word, but that's not a Lebron thing. That's a superstar thing. They all look for this false sense of motivation. Like they need they need to concoct things to motivate I, I them it. on a daily I'm not,
1: basis. But not from the guy that's shuffling papers in the front office. Let's stop. I mean, come Michael on,
0: Jordan stop. used to do the same stuff too. He, Remember, he did. He You're right. About it. Last dance. He made up the fact that George Carl didn't say hello to him at a restaurant as right. fuel to beat the Jazz. I right. mean, you know?
1: At least it's George Carl. And, at least yeah, and, George and Carl. not
0: Joe Schmo not the George secretary. Schmo. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not Joe Schmoda, pencil pusher. I mean, come on. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up.
0: <laughs> on that note, we'll we'll call it quits. We'll be back next week. Like I said, we'll give a more in-depth uh, analysis of the Super Bowl and how we're feeling. We'll give our picks. Uh, we'll get a little system down as to how we're going to attack the picks uh, moving on to next week.
1: And I predicted a, a Met signing last week, and I said there might be a trade. I got the signing right. Now, listen, it was Aaron Loop, but they signed somebody.
0: <laughs> yeah, left handed right. reliever. Right. I'm going to
1: tell you by next week, there's, there's going to be a Met trade.
0: A Met trade.
1: A Met trade, my friend. Now, trade. is
0: it, is it going to be? I'm going to give you three options. A, is it? Nolan Arenado level? B, is it trading three prospects for Keon Broxton level? Or C, somewhere no. in
1: the middle? Uh, I'm going to go not quite Arenado, but something a notch below it. Okay. Yeah. So, like a Chris Bryant? I, I'm looking at possibly a Chris Bryant Hendricks type of deal. Sunny Gray Suarez type of deal like that, maybe.
0: Okay. We're looking at that. Well, listen, if things go according to plan, you know when that trade will go down, right? Next Thursday, the That's night right. after. The of night course. after we record the podcast. <laughs> that seems to be what's going on. I, I, for all we know, it might happen tomorrow.
1: Uh, yeah, it could happen tomorrow, too. Keep, well, keep
0: your eyes out. Turn your tweet notifications about, well, I, on.
1: But I did say by the next podcast, by next week, by the next podcast, so it has to be, even if it's tomorrow, then that's fine. But it's got to be by the next podcast, which would be next Wednesday. wouldn't count, but happen on the Thursday.
0: All right. Listen, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it gives us something to talk about. It gives me more of a reason to look forward to the Mets. And, hey, the Mets better be good because – oh, wait. Oh, hold on. Wait oh, a boy. second. I have a, a Let's Go Mets chat that I just got a text from. Let me look and see if it's anything of significance. I just was – Ah, uh, Stephen Matt's trade rumors gaining traction amid Trevor Bauer buzz. That that was an article. Okay. Yeah. But all right. So not anything of of big significance. No. Okay. Because that this chat, it's actually there's some people in this chat that I don't even know, but it's it's one of my good friends, Joe, made the chat, and then another one of my buddies, Brian, I added to the chat, and it's a bunch of people who don't necessarily know each other, but they're mutual friends of friends. There's like ten or twelve people, and we're all Mets fans. And everybody just, whenever news breaks, we they share the tweet uh, in the group chat and we kind of just talk about it. So every time I see a notification from that chat, I'm always looking and saying, all right, you know, what happened? Because everything is so, that was perfect timing. I saw something, but like I said, nothing of significance. But uh, all right, so we'll be back next week. Like I said, more in-depth look at the Super Bowl. We'll give our picks. We'll give our analysis. Uh, and then once the Super Bowl is through. We'll obviously recap the Super Bowl and then we're going to have an, op- an episode with our good friend Tommy Lochran, as we teased when we get to the NFL offseason some draft rumors and, and things like that. Uh, we'll have Tommy on because he's the expert as far as that's concerned. He used his good juju to get my Steelers chase Claypool so he's good for something. So we'll have him on, obviously, in the future. We'll see how things turn out with the Knicks and the Nets moving forward. We'll see if the Rangers are able to turn things around with two games of utmost of the utmost importance this weekend. They need to turn things around before the season is over. And like we said, baseball news always seems to break as the week goes on. The market is really starting to to shape itself up now. A lot of the big dominoes have fallen, including Real Muto, who we really didn't touch on. But he re-signed with the Phillies, obviously. So... The only big guy left on the board is Trevor Bauer. I would think that he's probably signing somewhere in the, in the near future. So as these things break down, we'll break about down on the podcast as we always do. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew May underscore 21. You can follow Rob on Twitter at RobOG6. You can follow me on Instagram, A underscore May 21. Rob, are we getting you to Instagram anytime soon?
1: Is that? Uh, no, probably not. No? No. You did say Twitter, that about Twitter. Twitter is enough for me right now. But well, you did say that about Twitter once before Yeah but that's enough of me right now Okay yeah. Maybe maybe in 30 years You'll see me uh, doing Instagram shots In my wheelchair
0: 30 years is being a little nice Isn't it
1: Yeah well <laughs> I'll be 87 I'll be in a wheelchair <laughs> God willing God willing was I'll be thinking, in a wheelchair at least
0: <laughs> I, was, I was thinking maybe like 77 the wheelchair would come But who knows but all right, follow us both on social media. Thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. It'll be up tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned for any updates on the podcast. And thanks, as always, for supporting. For Roger Frey, I'm Andrew May. We will see you guys next week.